0: Hello, and welcome back to Beyond Boards, a podcast dedicated to the actions and interests of skaters beyond skateboarding. My guest today, Ben McQueen, is originally from Indiana, where he grew up and started skating. For the last few years, Ben has been living in San Francisco, where he works as a tattoo artist. He just released a book called Let It Kill You, focused on the many links between skateboarding and tattooing. For this project, Ben went and interviewed legendary people from both worlds, such as Eric Dressen, Cheyenne Sawyer, Tyler Bledsoe, or Nathan Costeco, to name a few. This is just volume one of a book series, and I look very much forward to seeing who Ben interviews next. So here's my conversation with Ben McQueen. I hope you'll enjoy it. Yeah, thank you. Really appreciate you uh, taking the time to chat with me. I just uh, finished reading the book today. Amazing yeah yeah so it's uh fresh in my mind so that's really amazing so yeah first of all congrats on that book that was really interesting and um and beautiful looking like the pictures the everything it, it was really well made even though i unfortunately I, I didn't get the the physical book i i read it on the pdf but it was already pretty sick so i'll definitely order one at some point and uh yeah and i'm really looking forward to the next ones but but before we get into all that, yeah, I usually start my interviews with just the guests introducing themselves and telling me how they found, you know, skateboarding. And so, yeah, I know that you grew up in Indiana, right? Is that, is that where you started skating?
1: Yeah, definitely. I uh, grew up in the suburbs of Indianapolis, on the west side of Indianapolis, started skating. It's always a little fuzzy. I think I was either 11 or 12, I would guess just by the, it was probably going into sixth grade. Yeah, so yeah, I found a skateboard through a friend and sort of uh, was pretty enamored by it pretty quickly. And I sort of realized up until that point, I had been really into basketball and I wasn't getting any taller and I wasn't growing anymore. And I realized I probably wasn't gonna make the team as I got older and it sort of sucked a little bit of the fun out of that for me. So I think I was already looking for something else to sort of dive into when I Mm -hmm. found skating and it worked out perfectly, man, yeah.
0: And how did you, what was like the kind of uh, pivotal moment? Did you see someone skate? Did you have, uh, did your brother skate? Like what, what was kind of your introduction to it? no you know honestly it was mostly peers of mine at
1: school I think when you come out of elementary school into junior high you're sort of like there's multiple schools that are lumped together so there were kids that I had never met you know up until that point I had only been around the kids that went to the same elementary school that I did so when I got to junior high there were all these other kids that were into other things and it was I sort of started seeing skateboarders in the school but you Mm -hmm. know to be honest, I, when I got into skateboarding, I hadn't even seen any videos or you know, magazines or anything at that point. You know, it just felt pretty interesting. I guess I just got into it surely for that reason alone. And then, of course, as I got into it and the more I started skating, the more those things sort of presented themselves to me. So it just became cooler and cooler. I just kept finding new videos, new magazines, learning new tricks, meeting new people. Uh, so it was just continuing to uh, unravel for me in a really exciting way.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah and so were you ever sponsored, or did you ever like aspire to get sponsored, maybe turn Pro one day? I'm sure you daydreamed about it like every skater, but was that ever kind of something you considered seriously, or did you, did it always just remain a a fun hobby? and, and yeah, totally. Else? I mean,
1: when you're a kid, I think you just want to go, I don't think any kid gets into sports without daydreaming about playing in the NFL or the NBA or you know playing at some professional level or something. so of course, that was always fun to consider. You know, it wasn't until I got older that skating sort of started becoming frustrating. You know, when you can't land a trick or your friends are improving at a more rapid pace than you are or something, that it can become a little more competitive in that way, I suppose. But I started skating and working at a skate shop, you know, about 20 minutes from my house just outside of Indianapolis. And, you know, we all sort of like, road for that shop and the way of, like, the kids that worked there got, you know, we kind of were pretty young to be working in a skate shop, so we were sort of just getting, like, free product to work in lieu of paychecks, you know, so thinking back on it is probably super illegal, but <laughs> we, we were stoked, you know, like, work all day, get some free t-shirts, get a new board, get some new shoes, whatever. Yeah. You know, and in that way we all started filming for videos, you know, for the shop. And just, I think I was one of the first people to get a camera in my age group. I had another friend who had a VX, you know, and we started just going out on these missions and filming and driving further and further outside of our cities to try to find new spots, you know, and the Midwest is kind of cool in Indianapolis. You're just a few hours from Chicago you're a couple hours from Cincinnati, mm-hmm. Louisville. Um, so you're sort of in this area where if you just drive a few hours in either direction, you can find a whole new city to explore, you know? So we were definitely trying to take advantage of that. And then, of course, just filming for, like, local shop videos and, and things like that. I did do a lot of filming, which I ended up sort of enjoying more than jumping down stuff at one point or another, you know? So, yeah. Okay. Um, But, yeah, it was great, man. I mean, skating just kept, like, giving back in so many ways and continues to do so. You just, as soon as you feel comfortable, some new video comes out that raises the bar, you find something else or some new skaters. you know, meet some kids at the park. It's Mm -hmm. great, man. Never ends, you know?
0: Oh, for sure. Yeah. (laughs) And so... Tell me about like tattoos. How did that interest begin? When, when did you start getting interested in those? And when did you get your first tattoo? I, I read, I don't know if it was in your book or in an interview, but you said uh, that you got the Krell Tap board logo, right? Was that your yeah. very first tattoo? Yeah. So I just, I, as soon as I turned
1: 18, I had pretty much made my mind up that I wanted to be tattooed. I think it just sort of fell under the umbrella of rebellious things that you can do when you reach a certain age or something, so I didn't smoke cigarettes or do anything like that, so I wasn't going to go buy a pack of cigarettes, but I did go get tattooed, and I went straight to the shop. I think I did go to school that day. I was in my final year of high school, left school and drove straight to the tattoo shop that I knew of, and uh, sort of walked in and, and didn't really... I guess it weirdly didn't dawn on me that I should have an idea of going in there. Like the Krell Tap board was like <laughs> oh, a yeah. very impulsive thing. Like the guy asked me what I wanted and I was like, I don't know, I guess I thought maybe I would figure it out as I got here when I got here. So I went back into my car to get my ID and I had all my school stuff with me and I had a Krell Tap sticker on one of my folders or my, you know, whatever agenda or yeah, something yeah. and brought that in. And I was like, let's just do this, you know? Cause I think even though I knew nothing about, tattooing or being tattooed, I knew that it felt like getting something that was going to have like a long-standing impact or like, you know, was pretty timeless as far as, you know, and up yeah. until that point, skateboarding was the only thing that I had found in my life that was really, had stuck with me for so long. So it made sense, you know, I wasn't bummed sure. on the tattoo or anything, but, um, so I got that, I think I paid like 50 bucks or something, you know, and then I just like hobbled out of the shop and, you know, didn't know how to take care of it or do anything at all went straight to the skate park showed everybody it was fun man and then i think something about that moment of getting that first tattoo i knew pretty quickly that it was something that i wanted to try to continue doing you know there was some familiarity with the tattoo shop and the skate shop yeah they had some such similar atmospheres you know the music Mm -hmm. that was playing the people that were in there hanging out you know sometimes i think you feel a certain amount of judgment maybe as a skateboarder you know going to certain places or being around certain groups of people and it was just very similar to that where I didn't feel like I needed to fake it at all I could just sort of be myself which was which was great you know
0: yeah, yeah, yeah so you got that first tattoo and then tell me about maybe between that first tattoo and when you started considering doing it professionally I'm sure there were there was uh maybe a big time gap between all that and I read that you did an apprenticeship uh, I'm not sure if it was in Chicago or maybe it was already in California but uh yeah take me through maybe some of the steps uh yeah, so I mean there was definitely a long I mean
1: something about tattooing feels so overwhelming to consider doing that feels like there's just miles and miles and miles between, you know, finding tattooing and getting tattooed and actually considering doing it as a profession. So I moved to Chicago just as I got out of high school and uh, kept working in skate shops. I was going to film school. It just felt like the next transition thing. You know, I'd been filming for skate videos and stuff for so long. And I always had a camera in my hand. It felt like an easy decision to try something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. So when I got to Chicago, I just kept getting tattooed, you know, I would just save up money and, and go to the tattoo shop and hang out. I just loved being in there. And I was in there one time and I think it was like their shop manager person or something had either like quit on the spot or said that they were going to need to leave or put in there two weeks or something. Either way, I was in there getting tattooed and the shop was having this discussion of like, finding a new shop manager person, okay. thinking, you know, I didn't really have anything going on. The skate shop wasn't really like, you know, I've been working in skate shops for so long. It just sort of felt like a little redundant. And I said, yo, I'll, I'll help out, you know. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And uh, they sort of made me promise that I wasn't interested in learning how to tattoo because a lot <laughs> of people will take that position in hopes that it will lead to an apprenticeship later down the road. Of course, and yeah. I said, no, 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 you know, and I really didn't at that point. I don't think I had any interest in learning Again, because it just felt so daunting. But once I got in there and got comfortable, I mean, it's a really hard thing to be around and not want to do. I think skateboarding is that same way, where if you are hanging around a skate shop or around a lot of skateboarders, inevitably you're going to feel some sort of, you know, tractor beam pulling you in, so to speak, where you, there's something so infectious about skating and tattooing and these sort of counterculture things, music, whatever it is, that it just, it sucks you in. You want to be a part of it, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. And um, so before you started tattooing yourself, did you draw at all? Did, were you like into arts or were you like interested in making art or or were you more interested in the culture of tattoos and not necessarily in the more artistic side of it? You know, I think I always was into drawing a
1: bit, but never, you know, I used to get feedback from teachers and my parents and things like, oh, you're a great artist, you know, but I never really thought that you know, anything would come of it. But I do remember being a kid and, like, just drawing in class, you know, I couldn't pay attention and I was just daydreaming about skating and I would pull out these, like, Ed Templeton ads and try to, like, redraw, like, toy machine graphics and stuff and being super drawn to, you know, skateboard imagery and and trying to draw that. I can remember drawing tattoos on myself. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I never, I guess I probably didn't consider it only because it didn't feel like it was, like, a an avenue that anyone ever presented me with, you know, no, no teacher that I ever had would tell me that that was a good career choice. You know, no one was ever like, yeah, you should pursue artwork or skateboarding or whatever. I mean, it just never crossed my mind, you know? So I think Mm -hmm. even though I had a little bit of a background in drawing, you know, I've taken art courses and things. I think you have to really like relearn to draw when you start tattooing, because it's just such a different type of drawing. You're doing more tracing, more meticulous, like, you know, straight lines and perfect circles. And so I think you sort of forget that, you know, when you see people drawing, let's say, you know, in, in TV shows or movies or something, they're typically sitting you know, across from someone in a coffee shop and they're just sketching someone's portrait, you know, as they're sitting across from them on a train or at a cafe or whatever. But you just don't draw like that for tattoos, you know. You really have to, like, be committed to each and every line. It's a different approach, you know. So I think I had to sort of forget what I knew and sort of re-figure out the fundamentals to get me to a place where I was drawing for tattooing, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we'll, we'll talk about the book eventually, but uh, I have a few questions about tattooing uh, that I want to ask you before. But uh, I just also just want to ask you about moving to San Francisco and why did you decide to go there, basically? And uh, what made you choose San Francisco and not L.A. or somewhere else? And uh, how long have you been out there at this point?
1: Yeah, so I've been out here, I guess it's been in between three and four years now, but I had been coming to San Francisco a lot and, you know, doing what we call a guest spot. So I would just come for a week and tattoo with my friends and visit. And I think skateboard both skateboarding and tattooing have such a rich history in san francisco you know san francisco yeah. was already on my radar from years of watching skate videos and you know ads and magazines and everything else like that was sort of where you know those were the the proving grounds of skateboarding you know like if you thought you were a good skateboarder and you could make it in san francisco you know yeah then you were probably going to do all right and i think the same can be said about tattooing there's been such a rich history of tattooing in this city and, and for both of those things you know like it was the perfect place for me to end up. So it was always mm-hmm. on my radar that I wanted to get here at some point. But, you know, looking down the barrel of paying the cost to live here was always a, a little bit, you know, daunting. It's very expensive. But yeah. once you're here, I think people just have a way of figuring it out. You know, it just sort of, it just sort of works. But I think for me, yeah, that was a huge part of it. Just waiting until I was in a financial position to be able to like justify coming out here and not having to you know live that life of 10 skateboarders in a house sleeping yeah. on the floor <laughs> and couches or something you know like i was like kind of past that point in my life mm-hmm. so uh i finally felt like i was in a good place to come here and of course i didn't want to come out here and blow it you know i wanted to make sure that i was like on top of my game and that i was ready you know because i knew coming here meant something a lot different you know than anyone yeah. else i'd ever been so but i love it here you know it's just such a i mean i've been here for yeah like i said in between three and four years and i still you know go down to embarcadero and skate and go to pier 7 and fort miley and you know yeah. i go shop at target you know for like groceries and it's right next to wallenberg so i'll go down oh, there yeah. and just like stand at the top of the stairs and you know picture the crazy stuff that's yeah, happening yeah, there yeah. And it's as a skate nerd it's like amazing city to live in for sure yeah yeah
0: for sure i, I guess in europe uh the equivalent would be barcelona maybe or yeah totally And so, yeah, uh, I just have a few kind of nerdy questions about tattooing before we get into the book. Yeah, let's do it. I don't know much about tattooing myself. Uh, I love tattoos. I've got a bunch, but I don't really know much about like uh, the act of tattooing. And I've done most of my tattoos with a friend of mine who's uh, she's an artist in Brittany, actually, where, where I just told you before that uh, I, I was living for the last two or three years. So I've done like maybe 20 tattoos with her at this point or something. And so I was just interested in asking you about like a tattoo session, basically, because I don't have hair anymore. You can't tell because I'm wearing a beanie, but uh, <laughs> my hair is long gone at this point. But I feel like going to do a tattoo is kind of between getting your haircuts and going to therapy, sort of. Sure. The haircut, because of like the physical touch and the smells and everything and the therapy more for the discussion and uh, like i know I, i've done tattoos with this friend mostly so we get into long talks about whatever you know so so i feel like uh, we've developed a bond and i'm sure i'll do other tattoos with other people but uh, i really enjoy doing tattoos with her because i i like her style of tattooing of course but i also just enjoy spending time with her you know we, we have a great conversations and I was just curious to ask you about, like, how important do you feel, like, is this uh, process of, uh, of a tattoo session?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's huge. It's such a... There's a certain ritual to it, you know, that becomes part of your process. And I think that having a process as an artist is, is one of the most important things. And, and I think that's what ends up keeping your work looking similar. And not only looking similar, but feeling front to back similar on my end, you know. And so I think those rituals of the people coming in and picking the design or, you know, the conversations that we have leading up to me designing a tattoo for them or whatever the case may be. I think it's equally important on my end as well as it is theirs, you know? And I think when I have customers that try to, I don't know, like overextend something, you know, like if they aren't hearing me or we're just not clicking, it can derail the whole thing. And I think that there's like, Mm you know, that trust that you have, like, for example, you know, you say you get tattooed by this person all the time. And, you know, I think at some point it becomes so easy because, you know, she knows what you want, you know what she's going to do. And it becomes, you know, you take all that like guessing out of it, you know, yeah, I think yeah. when you when you meet someone for the first time, you know, whether they're a therapist, or a barber, or a tattooer, or whatever, you know, you have to build that relationship. And it takes time, you know, and I think it's asking for you know, both people to be a certain amount of vulnerable, you know, and that doesn't always come Mm -hmm. easy to people. And, uh, of course there are the, you know, I do tattoos every day, right? So there are days where people come in and it's very transactional, you know, and they tell me what they want and they don't want me to have any sort of opinion about it. I'm just the vessel to get them in the door, get them tattooed and get them out the door and they pay me and they leave. And that's fine. You know, that's like at the end of the day, like, you know, I, I'm not complaining, but then there are the people that, you do develop these close relationships with, you know, and I've tattooed Mm -hmm. people for years, you know, and I've tattooed their daughters and their sons and their wives and their husbands and everything, you know, and it's just, it becomes there's a point where sometimes it almost feels funny asking them for money afterward, you know, because yeah, yeah, I've yeah. developed such a such a genuine friendship and connection with these people. But at the end of the day, it's my job, you know, which yeah. I think I feel so fortunate that I do have a job where I'm able to have such an impact on people in their lives. And, you know, not only, you know, physically with getting the tattoo, but emotionally sometimes, you know, yeah. I've had some pretty he- heavy experiences giving tattoos. So I'm um, sure.
0: Yeah. And it's interesting what you just mentioned about vulnerability. I think that's very true in the case of tattoos because you're, well, depending on where you're getting the tattoo, but you're putting yourself in a, like getting tattooed somewhere that is maybe sometimes intimate. Like, I don't know if it's on your rib cage or I don't know your back, whatever, or, and also it hurts. So it's not like going to get a haircut where you're not feeling a thing. So, you know, it's not like you're suffering during the process. Whereas Um, tattooing is uh, very different in that regard. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's much like skateboarding, you know, and I've talked about it in the book and other people have talked about it as well. You know, it's just like you have to earn a tattoo, you know, like, you know, just like someone has to earn a trick, you know, like how many times you've gone back and you've battled a trick for so long and, you know, broken bones, blown out knees, whatever, concussion, you know, anything. I mean, like just you have to earn it, you know, it's not a thing that, that comes easily. And I think in that way it requires and sort of demands a certain type of person and a certain level of dedication and commitment to be able to you know to finish like a bodysuit, you know or something you're covering yourself in tattoos i mean that's not easy you know yeah i think that skateboarding and tattooing are are very similar in that way specifically even just the amount of pain and stuff we deal with as as skateboarders and and people that love tattoos it's very similar in that way
0: yeah yeah for sure I've wondered about this myself, doing these tattoos for the last... uh, I think the first tattoo I got was only five years ago. And um, part of the thing that I enjoy actually is... uh, It's not that I enjoy the pain, but I feel like if I didn't feel any pain... Like, for example, if the tattoo process was you go in there for 10, 10 minutes, you have a great tattoo, it doesn't hurt one bit, you go out and it's done, I don't feel like I would enjoy it as much. I feel like going through that pain and kind of deserving... That tattoo and the end and having it on your body for the rest of your life, uh, I feel like that's uh, a huge part of yeah. what, I, what I enjoy about it. I mean, just,
1: yeah, I, you nailed it. I mean, just if it was, if it came easy, you know, like if skateboarding was like, you know, playing the Tony Hawk video games and it was that yeah. easy, like, you know, and you made tricks more often than you fell or something, you know, it's that same thing where that's not what we want. You know, we want that like serotonin or dopamine explosion yeah. that happens when we've accomplished something. And I think getting a tattoo is rewarding in that same way where you are done and you're finished and you've walked to your car and you're just like, man, that was tough. But like, look how cool this thing looks. Yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. That's a few things I think offer that, you know, And and I've, you know, for me personally, I, it's, you know, it's just been skateboarding and tattooing that have ever sort of given me that same feeling, you know?
0: And so, mm-hmm. yeah, they're so similar in that way. And so this is a, a question, uh, it's kind of random, but uh, I was just curious to ask you about, uh, for example, my friend that I do tattoos with, she has flashes, you know, she's like she'll do some drawings and offer them for customers to come in and select one and have it tattooed like it's ready. She can just print it and have it tattooed on the person and, and then boom, it's done. But like, for example, every tattoo that I've done with her, I've never selected flashes that she's done. I've always like thought of something and I told her, oh, I'd like to do like this, whatever, like uh, this drawing, whatever, you could turn it upside down and do this. And so she creates something out of out of nothing, you know, or from an image that I've seen in a movie or something. And um, I was curious to know how, how you feel about this and and generally speaking in the tattoo community or for tattoo artists in general. Do you prefer, like, for people to come in and say, oh, hey, Ben, I'll just do this flash from your catalog? Or is it okay with you if someone comes in and says, oh, I, I want to do, like, a whatever, uh, this thing that's not at all your style or or just something that's uh, completely different yeah. from what you do?
1: I mean, I think at this point, you know, just being able to tattoo is great. I don't want to be too picky, but I think... I've sort of got the best of both worlds right now. I have a lot of people that are just picking flash and I try to, you know, have new flash for people to look at pretty regularly. I think if as a tattooer, if you're only going to offer people flash, I think the least you can do is sort of put new designs in occasionally, right? So that people aren't just picking the same thing. Yeah. But I do, I do have limitations. I think that's a big thing for people to understand about tattooers. You know, I don't. I can draw, but it's not. That's not to say that I can draw on every style, and that's yeah. not to say that I'm a. That's not to say that I'm a good fit for you know every single uh, idea. And I have spent you know I'm coming up on 15 years, and I've spent a lot of time tattooing things and regretting saying yes because I've been you know maybe I just needed the money or you yeah. know I thought it was going to go smoother than it did or something. But you know I I think at this point I know my limitations, and so. You know, if someone comes in and they ask for, uh, you know, sort of a specific design that I almost feel bad saying that I'll do it if I know that someone, say, works in the tattoo shop in the booth next to me, you know, could do a better job than I could, then, you know, it's like, yeah. I'll just pass it off to them, you know? I mean, thankfully, the shop is busy and I, you know, I'm not turning people away in, in that way where I'm not ever doing tattoos, but I also, I just want to give people good tattoos, and I think at this point in my career, like, I... I do a certain thing well, and uh, and that's just kind of what I want to do, you know, and, mm-hmm. and I spent 10 plus years doing almost everything that came in, and thankfully, I feel like I'm fairly versatile, but at the end of the day, you know, if I'm not going to do a good job, I don't want to, I don't need your money that bad, you know, I don't want to give you a bad tattoo, <laughs> you know, I'll send you to someone that I know will take good care of you, you know, so there's a, there's a middle ground between both of those things, and there are tattooers that prefer it one way and tattooers that prefer another and for me personally you know that's that's just sort of my approach.
0: Yeah yeah yeah. You just said the word versatile that was another question I had like the importance of uh, versatility in tattooing versus skateboarding because like um, in skating as you know there's a lot of skaters that focus on one type of skating like they'll do some crazy manuals or some crazy tech tricks or other ones are like the zero guys will do big gaps and handrails. But some people are a bit more versatile, like, uh, let's say, John Cardiel or, I don't know, Grant Taylor or something. People like them who can pretty much skate everything comfortably, you know. I know that that's something that I enjoy very much in skating, someone that has the capacity of skating many different things. And do you feel that's something important in tattooing, or is it cooler, so to speak, to just focus on one specific style of tattooing? Or?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, everyone wants to have a seat at every table. So I think if you are out with your friends in the van, and you're going skating, and you pull up to a spot that, you know, you're not comfortable skating, like at least maybe, you know, you can sort of enjoy yourself in a way like you, you know, I think with tattooing, you know, it's important to be able to at least know your fundamentals, you know, so to be able to do a nice tattoo, whatever that means to you, I think is important, you know, and that's, at the end of the day like that uh, you know people's opinions of what look good and doesn't look good are are pretty skewed I mean there are people that are doing like you know not to pull any punch you know not to I don't know whatever but Hmm. there are people doing pretty terrible tattoos and making a living you know and so I don't know where that leaves us you know I think people sometimes don't know what they want or what looks good and what doesn't and I think as a tattooer it's sort of part of my job a big part of my job to be able to at least give them something that's going to hold up and it's gonna look good and give them a good experience and uh yeah i don't know some of these tattooers must just be the nicest people in the world because some of these tattoos that i see are are just so like off the rails you know and i guess at the end of the day like You know, what is really cool to one group of people could be terrible to another group of people and vice versa. You know, I'm sure that there these things exist in skateboarding, too. You know, people think certain styles of skating are corny or whatever. But, um, yeah, I think as long as you can give someone a a strong tattoo that's going to hold up over time, you know, then I think that's all you can do, I suppose. But, yeah, it's all over the place these days, you know, much like skating. So, of
0: course. yeah, Yeah, for sure. And uh, I read through the book. I don't remember which guest said that, but um, about like um, the mental space, so to speak, that that uh, skateboarding can uh, have. You know, like um, when I was like a teenager skating and. It, it, really obsessed with it like skateboarding was on my mind nonstop you know like uh whenever even just walking down the street of course seeing spots everywhere seeing potential for tricks everywhere and just uh dreaming about skate skate videos or whatever just always on my mind and I, i'm sure tattooing must be kind of similar in that sense but for example for you who's, who have been skating and tattooing for a long time how much uh, mental space does it occupy in your mind so to speak
1: I'd like to say that I can turn it off, you know, but I don't know that we ever fully can. You know, I think that we have sort of like set up camp in these worlds that we live in, you know, whether it's skateboarding or tattooing. And and when there are two, it's even harder, right? You know, I'm Mm -hmm. always seeing, I mean, even just seeing people's tattoos. I'm in line at the grocery store to check out. And someone in front of me has a nice tattoo and I want to ask who did it or, you know. I think just those like day- to- day reminders, and uh, I mean, of course, with skating, as you know, it's like it's pretty hard to not be, you know, driving down the street and see a rail or something and and picture a trick or turn around and look at it, or, you know, it's just yeah. it's a thing that i I think it's a blessing and a curse sometimes, you know? I mean, there are certainly times where I, I think I wish I feel a little obsessive, and you know, I'm constantly on eBay looking for old boards or whatever, you know, (laughs) just, it's, it's not only like something that I love doing, but it's also a huge chunk of my personality, you know, like I, it's just who I am. And I think as skateboarders, you know, that's just whether people continue to skate or not, you know, like at some point it's just been everything to you and it's made you who you are now as an adult like without yeah. skating i don't know that we would have had the same music tastes or you know style fashion wise or whatever it looks like you know i think these things really end up determining
0: the person that we come out the other end living, yeah you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely and uh, so this is a bit random as well but uh, i saw that in the book and i i didn't know about that so i just wanted to ask you about it Someone said that um, he used expired needles to tattoo. And I think you replied to the guests like, oh, those are the best or something like that. And I was just wondering, why is that? Like, I, ha- I didn't know that at all. And, and what, what makes expired needles uh, better somehow? <laughs> I think I was trying to
1: come across as being funny, probably. But I think that was Andrew Allen, who was just sort of probably taking a dig at the fact that he never really had, like, great equipment, you know, so I think we, I think the needle expiration date thing is funny. I think every tattooer, like, I don't know the, the science behind when a needle expires or anything. I just know that as tattooers, we always go through our drawers and say, holy crap, these needles expired, you know, 10 years ago or something, and we're still using them and they're fine or something. So, um, I don't know that there's any, uh, legitimacy to needles being better when they're
0: expired. I just think it was a
1: joke, but yeah. (laughs) I don't want to start spreading misinformation. Yeah, 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 no,
0: for sure. Yeah. But uh, w- why do they have an expiration date at all? Like, uh, what? What?
1: I mean, I think they're sterilized and sealed, you know. And I think with any sterilization process, I'm sure that they have to legitimately put an expiration date on there or something. I don't know. You know what I
0: mean? Okay. Okay. I don't. I don't begin to understand that world of of who makes <laughs> <use> those rules. <laughs> okay. This is kind of my last nerdy question before we get into the book, but uh, I just read in the last interview of the book with uh, Chad uh, Koplinger. I'm not too sure how to say his last name. Yeah, Chad Koplinger. Right. So he said um, he talked about his assistant who broke his hands or something uh, skating and uh, who couldn't tattoo for, I guess, a little bit of time. Is that something that you're concerned with as a professional tattoo artist today? Like, do you, are you kind of afraid of falling on your hands or stuff like that? Because I'm sure like if, if you have a bad bell and if you sprain your, uh, how do you say, your wrist or something, maybe you won't be able to tattoo as well, or maybe it will hurt a lot. Uh, so, so yeah, are you very cautious with that or?
1: Oh Absolutely. I mean, you know, I thankfully knock on wood, I haven't had an injury like that. I mean, I, I tweak my wrists and fall on them fairly regularly i suppose but i'm not really skating like at a level where i've i'm like jumping down anything anymore you know i'm sort of like you know i like to skate curbs and little manual pads and skate the park and sort of cruise around but i'm really i've definitely had to like change up how i w- was skating i suppose you know but yeah, yeah. having said that it'll always be like that flat ground kickflip that you'll primo and fall on your hands somehow and that's like yeah. those end up being the falls where i'm probably most Vulnerable or something when I'm just messing around. So I guess you're never fully safe, but um, yeah. you know, I've I think as skateboarders, you always know how to fall in a way that's like maybe a little more safe. But um, I've definitely had some scares. You know, like I have to have another knee surgery next year, which I'm trying to sort of plan that around taking some time off work or something if it works out. But you know, a couple things here and there, I'm a little bit dinged up. I mean, it's just, you know, we get older, you yeah. know, like you said, you're 35, I'm 34. I mean, skating just is pretty unforgiving, you know, in so many ways. Like I usually go to the park or go skate until I have that big fall. And that's just yeah. when I'm done, you know, at this point. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, I, I try to pay attention to it for sure. I definitely don't want to be
0: out of work, you know? Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So let's get into the book. Um, so I read maybe in an interview you did that you started working on this during covid time, right? But I'm sure it was on your mind before that, but uh, tell me about like how this whole idea started and and how and when maybe did you start working on it? Yeah,
1: definitely during the pandemic is when it sort of like got its legs and started we started figuring it out a little bit more, but I you know, I've always just been so fascinated by this specific intersection of skating and tattooing, and I've always wanted to find a way to to talk about that. And, you know, I thought thought about a podcast. I thought about, you know, some sort of art show or something where skateboarders could contribute artwork. I don't know. I, I was all over the place with it, and I did a little, like photo zine thing during the early part of the pandemic where I just did a bunch of paintings. I couldn't tattoo and San Francisco was shut down for like nine months. Tattoo shops were pretty closed. So I just painted in lieu of being able to tattoo. So I had this huge body of work that I just put in a book and sort of put that out. And I really had a good time putting that together. And I think doing that sort of led me to the idea of, all right, well, maybe if I can get the right people on board, I'll have a project that's worth pursuing. So... I didn't really know where to take it, you know? And I, Eric Dresson was like really at the top of my list of someone that I felt like embodied both skateboarding yeah. and tattooing in such a powerful way. And I thought, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna. I think someone actually gave me his number okay. and, that knew him and they were like, yeah, just hit him up and, and figure it out. I didn't want to call him or anything. I didn't, I don't, I'd never met him. And he, I was, you know, such a fan of his growing up and mm-hmm. what a huge personality to, to yeah. cold call. So, I sent him an email. I found his email address and sent him an email and just sort of gave him, like, the ramifications of what I was thinking of doing. And he emailed me back really quickly and was really pumped on the idea. So I think that gave me a, a, this boost of confidence moving forward. Then I could tell people, you know, I'm working with Eric Dressen on this project. Would you be interested in contributing? And mm-hmm. the next thing you know, I had, you know, everyone was saying yes. So it was pretty important to me that I kept the book feeling pretty, like, tattoo skateboard 50 50 sort of like you know i wanted there to be good representation of each thing right and so yeah. i had you know the idea and then of course you run into the issue of like how many pages how long is this book yeah. going to be how am i going to do it so those things i just started to figure out
0: after i was getting yeses from the people involved so when you got in touch with eric dress had you already decided that it was going to be a book or were you not too sure what format it was going to be I knew that I wanted it to be a book. Um, I didn't really
1: know. I was still open to doing interviews through FaceTime or Zoom or something. I just didn't think, you know, I didn't know that anyone was going to be interested at all. It wasn't as if this project existed already, so people were really taking a gamble on, you know, what I was going to do. So I wasn't sure. I knew it was going to be a book, but outside of that, I guess I wasn't sure how I was going to do it. But Mm -hmm. the further along I got into talking to these people. And I thought, the least I can do is, is, you know, come to you, right? Like, you know, I'm in San Francisco, he's down in LA, I'll just go down there and and we'll just sit down if he's open to that. And that became, I wanted this thing to, to feel like you know, I was driving this car, right? Like this is a project more than just a FaceTime interview or something. I wanted to make this thing very intimate. So I thought yeah. the least I could do would be to sit down with these people in person and, and sort of come to them and, and give them my time yeah, and yeah. Uh, subsequently get photos of us sitting together. Yeah. And I hope that that came across in the book, that that was oh, for sure. very hands on, you know?
0: Yeah yeah, the photos are amazing. Yeah, yeah. I wrote down the names of the guys who helped you, but you you can probably shout them out or something. I don't remember their names here. Yeah, but.
1: so they're Brandon Berdine and Andy Eklov are the two principal photographers for the book. Right. And they're both great friends and, and great photographers and, and I think photos are such a huge Part of a good photo of a tattoo or a good photo of someone, you know, skating Hollywood high mean the same thing, you know, that's like your proof. That's your proof of the thing. So like photos have always been a huge part of of both skating and tattooing. So I knew that I wanted the photo contributions to be good, you know, so that was, that was an
0: easy decision. And so how did you select the people that you wanted to interview? You just mentioned that once you had Eric on board, it was probably easier to convince other guests to get on board. But uh, did you like make a list of people that you'd like to interview and and then kind of reached reached out to a few? Like how, how did you select all the people? Yeah, I mean, I look like a I don't
1: know, some sort of like law and order SBU detective. I have like this white board in my room, driving <laughs> this board of all these names and where they're at and people. and But yeah, I mean, I had a, I had like a, a list and I thought like, let's just go down the list and sort of reach out to these people, you know, and I guess I didn't, I wanted to keep volume one, like fairly um, specific and I wanted it to have this very concrete theme and I wanted to make sure everyone was like on brand and everything. So the list was pretty chiseled out, you know, in the beginning and. Eric and Jamie and Chad and these people that I knew that I really wanted to talk to um, Mm -hmm. I had those names in mind for sure Andrew Allen and Nathan Costeco that sort of came across I had this idea of maybe doing like a three-way style interview with two people Mm -hmm. Um, Cheyenne Sawyer is a, a dear friend of mine and I've known him through tattooing for quite a while and I knew that Tyler Bledsoe had started sort of learning to tattoo from him and and started tattooing and working for Cheyenne. And I had met Nathan a couple of times and I knew him and Andrew were really close. And I I didn't know Andrew, but I was like, okay, I have these like two interviews that I could do with a couple of people. Yeah. Sort of, you know, it was, I love like the juxtaposition of like an old senior tattooer and a young Tattooer and flip the script with skating. And you know, Cheyenne found tattooing through skating, and you know, skateboarding sort of led Tyler to tattooing, and so it was yeah, really this yeah. yin and yang thing that worked out really well. And mm-hmm. sort of a similar thing with Nate and Andrew, so um, yeah, I thought that that was a different approach. And, and I liked the idea of being able to have conversations with two people throughout the book like that. And I, I those are some of my favorite ones, so
0: yeah, yeah, those were really, I mean, all of them were sick, but uh, but these ones, especially, yeah, for sure. Did you decide that she wanted to do a series straight away or... Or were you thinking, like, maybe I'll just do one book or because, uh, of course, like, uh, this is kind of infinite, so to speak. I mean, maybe not infinite, but I'm sure you could do, I don't know, uh, 20 editions, uh, 20 volumes of this book, because there's just so many people that are in both worlds. Uh, So, yeah. Did you start with uh, in mind, like, okay I'll do one, two, three, four volumes? Or do you have any idea at what point you'll stop (laughs) or like uh, how do you You see this uh, developing?
1: I didn't want to get greedy or anything, you know, I didn't want to, and this first book, like it being such a success, I guess if I can say that, I feel like the book is out and we've gotten a lot of like positive feedback and we've, it's been going really well. I think in the beginning, like, you know, tattooers and skateboarders or creatives in general, like we're our biggest critics, you know? So I think we, I definitely didn't know if I even had anything that was going to work, you know, yeah, like, yeah, this could have, this could have been a total flop and nobody could have cared. I mean, I, so in the beginning, I definitely thought to just do a book, you know, and then it, as I talked to these people, you know, every single person was like, oh man, you know, you got to talk to this person or that person, yeah. or like, let me give you this guy's number or, you know, this person's number or whatever. And it just sort of like snowballed into a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, everyone that I talked to had, you know, not only like high praise for what I was doing, which kept me like motivated and, and, you know, feeling like I had something good on my hands. Like it was just constantly like more content, you know, with people telling me to reach out to certain other people. And so I started just like developing a list and I thought, well, okay, I have too many people for just one book. This is just too much, you know? And so I'll just do more than one, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, uh, we've already got some people lined up for the second one, you know, and sort of like getting that, a little bit going I want to give myself a little bit of a break yeah the holidays yeah. you know because this was very like um time consuming
0: I'm sure <laughs> yeah it was time consuming and it
1: was like kind of a lot but I um I think now that I have more of a process going into the second one I think it won't feel so overwhelming you know that was a large chunk of it was just learning you know different specs on making books and you know it was sort sort of a whole world that I didn't know anything about so now that I feel like I've got my foot in the door I think it'll be a little easier moving
0: forward you know yeah for sure and tell me about like the title of the book let it kill you so from what i understand it's a reference to bukowski and i thought that was interesting because uh actually the name of my podcast beyond boards is not an immediate reference to bukowski but before i started this podcast i did another one called beyond bars which was dedicated to addiction because i was uh quitting alcohol when covid started in april 2020 And I actually started a podcast about uh, addiction and the process of getting sober. And I was trying to think of a name. And I found this Bukowski quote that said, in jail, they have the wrong kind of bars. And uh, I thought it was a cool name and uh, I was trying to use part of it or all of it, but it was a bit long for a podcast name. And then a friend of mine suggested that I just call it Beyond Bars, as in like uh, going beyond the bars of a prison and in the bars where you go drink. And so I just thought it was interesting that you decided to call it Let It Kill You. And um, yeah, tell me about like selecting this name, basically. Yeah, first of all, that's amazing.
1: Congratulations on that. That's a huge accomplishment. I didn't realize you had that other podcast. That's awesome. Thank you. I, uh, yeah, I mean, Bukowski is like a pretty, like, fascinatingly interesting, miserable, however you want to look at it, person, you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah. I've just loved that quote. And I think when I first started getting tattooed, believe it or not, I had thought about finding a place for that quote, you know, on mm-hmm. me somewhere. And I never got it. But not to get too heavy, but I think that so many people don't, you know, ever find something that they're that passionate about, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's truly um, something that I can't really explain to someone who doesn't know what skateboarding does to skateboarders or why we kill ourselves in the way that we do, you know, both, you know, not always literally, but I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just such a um, overwhelmingly impossible thing, right? There's no ceiling to it. There's never a cap of like, you know, I've learned every trick, I'm done, I quit, you know, (laughs) it's like, there's there's no limitations to what you can or can't do, much like with tattooing, and mm -hmm. we just dedicate so much of ourselves to these things that it sort of can become tough to live in a world outside of it, you know, and I think, like, you know, there are times when, you know, my partner, she... She works uh, sort of in tech, and, you know, there are times mm-hmm. where we'll go to dinner with maybe some of her friends from work or something, and, you know, thankfully, I'm I'm pretty, um, you know, I can sort of blend in anywhere, and I'm good at talking to people just from what I do for work, but yeah, and there are times where I, I'll be, like, in a conversation, and I'm just, like, lost in my own yeah. world of, of mm-hmm. feeling so, like, I can't connect, and I'm sure that goes the other way, and that's reciprocated on their end if I'm talking about tattooing or skateboarding or something, yeah, yeah, but... Yeah. I think that, yeah, find what you love and let it kill you. I think that quote just means so much and it's so heavy. I think these things have done so much for me and and given me a life that I I am so thankful for. And I never would have found had it not been for either one of them. And and to have like a a true passion is something that I think a lot of people miss out on. So I'm just super thankful to have a seat at both of these
0: tables, you know? Absolutely. And so how did you like prepare for the interviews? Did you go to see each guest with like, did you prepare a lot, uh, research them, prepare full lists of questions or did you have a bit more of a mellow approach as in like, let's just go have a nice chat with these people and try to learn about them on the spot, you know, kind of i uh, I'm going to compare this in the podcasting world, like uh, for example, I, I try to research my guests a, a bit. So I prepare my interviews in advance. Whereas, for example, the Nine Club, as you know, they have a bit, a bit more of a mellow approach where they're, they're really just having a fun conversation between skaters, you know. Yeah. And I'm sure they research a bit their guests as well, but uh, I feel like it's a bit more uh, improvised and not as yeah. scripted as uh, how I do it, for example. So how, how did you prepare for this? And, and did you have any previous experience uh, doing interviews like that?
1: No, I never, I never had any experience interviewing anyone. I suppose, but I, I also didn't realize that there is sort of like a, an art to being able to do a good interview. You know, and I think, I think a good interview like ends in a heavy conversation, right? Like, I think at some point, I was very like specific, and I, I wanted to have a list of questions in case. I needed them, but I found after the first couple, you know, I always try to start the interviews casually and then sort of like jump into other things, but I found that just having a conversation and sort of letting the questions that I had with me be like a safety net, you know, if I needed yeah. them, but just to be able to have a, a conversation with someone organically and not need that, not be relying on those questions, I think is more fun to listen to. And sometimes I think... Yeah. I've done interviews where people will send me the questions and I'll answer them and I'll send them back, you know, from magazines or whatever. I I like that and I think that that can work, but there are times when I'll be reading something and I I will wish that I could have them embellish or ask them more about their answer, you know, and I think that if you're left with a cliffhanger or something, it's just kind of drives you crazy. So I found that I had the questions if I needed them, but I also didn't need them often And I think the most important thing for me was, you know, I mean, how many interviews has Jamie Thomas done? You know, and I just didn't want... The interview to be, you know, so where did you grow up? And, you know, I asked him those questions because I think they make a good introductory thing to an interview, but I didn't want, I didn't want to ask him about the leap of faith or like, yeah, yeah, like the stuff he's been asked a million times. So I felt like just having like a one-off conversation between he and I was going to end in a different result from maybe all the previous interviews that he has done. So,
0: no, absolutely. It's a it's a fine line between an interview and a conversation. I mean, like just like we're doing right now, it's a bit of both, I guess. But I li- I like uh, to have a kind of a somewhat rigid format for my interview process because when I first started doing this podcast, I tended to not prepare as much my questions, and afterwards I would regret it and just realize, oh shit, I didn't, I forgot to ask about this, and I would be really frustrated because uh, you know it's not like oh I'm gonna send uh, the guest the question and have him record it. like it's a so i tend to rely on my questions a lot and i guess for me it's good because i get to ask all i want to ask to the guest but it it's also a bit more rigid in the shape of the conversation that it takes you know so
1: yeah and i think you're i think your interviews are great and i think you know you're driving the car and i'm sort of just riding with you so i think yeah. for you to have a process and have questions on deck is great you know and i think that that's like you said i mean there's nothing worse than finishing an interview and being like oh I yeah, totally um, forgot that <laughs> one whole cluster of you know whatever i wanted to know about so
0: yeah yeah, yeah exactly and so you talked about the second volume, as you said, you're going to take a break, I'm sure, and uh, have a bit of a break after doing uh, releasing the book and finishing it. And, and you just did a bunch of uh, premieres or release parties in uh, New York and San Francisco. I think you're doing one in Portland, maybe this weekend or very soon. And yeah, uh, yeah tell me about before we get into volume two, like tell me about like the, the feedback you've gotten from people so far.
1: Yeah, so we, the first party we did was down in Los Angeles at Marriage Skate Shop. Right. And that was probably the most stressful one just because it was like, I think, you know, again, it's like I was worried maybe no one would show up or it wasn't going to be a success or something. I had a lot riding on it in the way of, you know, just wanting people to, to be there to experience that with me. And man, it was crazy. There were so many people there and just... People that I've really looked up to and got to meet a lot of skateboarders that I'd never met, and mm-hmm. um, I was just pretty like blown away and overwhelmed by the support and everything. I, I think having get, getting that one out of the way and, and having that one completed, I think gave me a sense of of relief. In that way, uh, I went back to Indianapolis to like sort of my hometown skate shop minus. And uh, Nick Hullab who owns that shop, is a dear friend of mine. I've known him for years and. So that felt a little less pressure just because I knew, you know, I had lived in Indianapolis my whole life and, you know, I knew so many people there that it was a different thing, right? Like, I wasn't so worried about people showing up. I felt like I was pretty sure it would be successful. And it was great. And then uh, then we continued on to New York City and we did one with James at Labor. And uh-huh. that was huge for me. I mean, that's been one of my favorite skate shops Forever And to be able to host it there was really humbling and, and it was great. It was a success and it went really well. And then kind of came home and worked for this week. And then, yeah, we go up to Portland to Cal's Pharmacy and we're going to sort of do uh, another party with Tyler Bledsoe is going to be there yep. tattooing and like showing artwork and sort of like this perfect, you know, hybrid party thing between the book and, and his his career so far. So I'm really looking forward to that one. And then we haven't done one in San Francisco yet. I may do some sort of like pop-up thing here around the holidays and and maybe do something I haven't fully decided on that yet. But I'm just The thought of planning more stuff feels like really overwhelming. So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what about volume two? When will you start, have you started working on it already? Or is it something you're going to start working on maybe early next year? Or what, like, uh, what are the next uh, steps for this uh, next volume? Um, I've started in the
1: sense that I've started a list of people that I am ready to to talk to and sort of, like, figure out a way to maybe do, like, if a couple people are in L.A., maybe I try to line the interviews up to do them both while I'm down there at the same time and make a a more of a routine out of this moving forward, but... So I've sort of started to map it out in my head, but I haven't really taken any steps as far as, like, really sitting down with anyone or anything. I, I think... I want to give myself, like I said, through the beginning of the year to sort of relax and enjoy the holidays yeah. with my family and prepare for the next one. And yeah, so I haven't started it in, in any tangible way, I suppose. It's more like in my head right now, but okay, I'm ready.
0: Yeah, cool. And uh, I'm sure you can't really tell me who's going to be in it or who, who you've planned to uh, interview, but... Uh... Yeah, I was wondering if maybe aside from the people that you will eventually interview for this uh, second volume, who are some people maybe in the skateboarding and tattooing worlds that you would love to interview? Who, who are like uh, some of your dream guests?
1: You know, I, uh, man, there are so many people. I think that at some point it would be interesting to sort of open this up to more than just tattooing and sort of, you know, skateboarders and their passions and, and sort of like, you know, different creative outlets. Whether yeah. it's writing or photography or, f- you know, film or tattooing or something. I think we have, like, a sort of a this sandbox of a platform. But, I mean, there are tons of people that I don't know have a ton to do with tattooing specifically. But, I mean, if I could sit down with, you know, Ed Templeton or Mark Gonzalez yeah. or Greg Hunt or Jason Lee... Or uh, I know one of my favorite interviews you've done was with Scott Bourne, and I thought, you know, Scott's such an interesting person, and, you know, I think he's such a legend in skateboarding, and his writing is incredible, and so there are people like that that I would love to talk to, and Scott's pretty heavily tattooed, and he was sort of getting very unique tattoos for that time, you know, he was sort of thinking outside of the box of maybe what were on the walls of tattoo shops and he just seems like a really interesting guy. And I've been a huge fan of his for a long time. So there's a list of tons of people. I just want to make sure that each book has a theme and doesn't go off the rails too far. And we sort of keep it very like, you know, I I only want to put things out if I feel like I have good content, you know, like I'm sure you feel the same way about this podcast, you know, and and making sure that you're not just putting things out for the sake of putting them out. You have something to offer. Um, so yeah, we'll see.
0: Exciting. Yeah, I look forward to the following ones for sure. So we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. But um, I just wanted to ask something that I didn't ask you before. It was kind of the impact of Instagram on skateboarding versus tattooing. I can only really uh, talk about skateboarding but um, Instagram has definitely had a huge, huge influence on how skateboarding is perceived. And and uh, I think you touched on this in the book uh, with Andrew Allen, actually, who said, uh, it's not necessarily just Instagram, but like, um, there's just so, so much uh, content out there. And like he, from what I remember, he said he didn't watch too many skate videos because it would kind of bum him out, you know, like to see the level of uh, the kids nowadays and stuff. So it would kind of, he would lose his motivation to go skate if he watched too much of what's coming out and everything. And I was just wondering how you feel about that with tattooing. Do you feel like uh, maybe having so many tattoo artists that share their photos and everything, did it kind of affect profoundly how people approach tattoos and how tattoo artists uh, present their work? Yeah,
1: I mean, it's, this is like a huge topic of conversation obviously nowadays and rightfully so i mean it's changed the game for sure i mean it's like i think more than anything you know of course it waters it down a little bit but it's sort of i don't know sometimes i think it can give people like a false sense of you know accomplishment or something even like you're not there seems to be less like genuine constructive criticism in tattooing now and it's like you know no one's going on people's instagram pages and and seeing a tattoo that they've done and, and saying like this doesn't look right, that doesn't look right, this is wrong, you know, what are you doing? Like, it's just created this, like, built-in fan club for every tattooer to think that they have it figured out front to back, and I think that that can be pretty damaging to to young people, and, you know, it gives people, like I said, this sort of false sense of Uh, You know, I've got it figured out. What do I need you for? You know, and and it used to be, you know, in in a similar way, skateboarding is the same way where, you know, so much of tattooing has been passed down, you know, orally from person to person from, you know, mentor to apprentice. And it was very uh, tight knit There wasn't a lot of information sharing for a long time, you know, to get information, you know, you were sort of required to go and be tattooed by these people who knew that thing. And that was how you were going to get it. Or maybe you were fortunate enough to know someone who knew someone or whatever. So I think more than anything, you know, it's just, it's created this like... I don't know, like, this this young generation of tattooing that is sort of, like, they've never really had to pay their dues, sort of. I guess yeah. is probably the easiest way to do it. You can sort of get in and start doing the one style or one thing and uh, do that to death, you know? And your people are going to support you for that, and you're just going to continue offering that. People are going to line up and ask for it, and you're just going to have this immediate response that you're not having to work for really in any way you're just getting constant good positive feedback and uh i don't know i think that creates like a pretty weird environment long term for tattooing as a whole you know but I, you know again I, I think it's great that that tattooing is, is become so inclusive in some ways but in other ways it can be pretty pretty tough for the people who have been here for longer i think you know
0: yeah 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 so I have a few friends' questions uh, for you that I'll share with you in a second. But I usually finish with uh, the same question, which is uh, what's like the most valuable lesson that you feel you've learned from skateboarding? And in your case, I guess you could extend that to tattooing maybe. So yeah, does anything come to mind? I mean, it's it's uh, hard to answer just one thing.
1: I think that's a big question, but I guess at face value, like the first thing that comes to mind is is... The importance of traveling, you know, like and getting out of my hometown. I think I couldn't wait to leave, and you know, not because I hated where I grew up or anything, but just because I felt like so much of the good skateboarding was happening in other, other places, you know. And I think that sort of, you know, growing up watching skate videos and traveling to skate or film or skate a new park or whatever, it gave me uh, this sort of addiction to like constantly being moving and, and traveling around as much as I could. And I think. To me, I think the difference between someone who travels and someone who doesn't can make all the difference. You know, I think it really gives people a a larger sense of empathy and uh, culture, and I think the world could use that, uh, you know, a lot right now. And I think a lot of, you know, even what's going on politically, you know, people Mm -hmm, are just mm -hmm. so afraid of change, and they're so afraid of things not, you know, being the same. And I think a lot of that can be, you know, a lot of these people are, are, maybe that fear is coming out of places where people have never left. And they don't know, you Mm -hmm. know, because they've never seen it. And I think I'm thankful to skateboarding and tattooing for uh, instilling the importance of traveling in me. I guess that would probably be my answer.
0: Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. All right. Well, let's do uh, some of these friends questions. So the first one is from Michael Sieben. Oh, great. Who wrote the foreword, right? For the book. Yeah. So he said, what is a skate graphic you'd like to tattoo on somebody?
1: Oh, that's great. Yeah. Um, well, I have never gotten to do that Santa Cruz screaming hand graphic. And I think that thing is so cool. And I think it embodies so much of what it takes to do a good tattoo. Visually, it's so loud. I think it looks super tough. I would love to do that. I haven't tattooed it. I just finally tattooed that, uh, you know, that Powell, like, skull ripper. Oh, yeah. Um, finally, I'd been wanting to do that for years. And it's funny, the guy who got that is, uh a friend of mine and he, he had mentioned wanting to get that Santa Cruz screaming hand as well. He's an old skateboarder. And I, I said, please let me know. Cause I really want to it. <laughs> so hopefully I'll get to, to post that one up on the internet at some point, but that I would have to say that that's a, that's such a cool one. I mean, yeah. there's so many like old graphics, like, yeah, that's tough, but uh, yeah, so so many of those graphics from the eighties the just are already ready to go. They make such cool, they would make such cool tattoos, you know? So, but yeah, I would say that one for sure.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's a really good one for sure. Uh, and he said, on the flip side, what is a skate graphic that that you would really not want to tattoo on someone? <laughs> <laughs>
1: man, um, jeez, a skate graphic. I wouldn't want a tattoo. I don't know, man. I mean, I guess like I'm trying to think of something. Some of the some graphics make for great tattoos. On the other hand, some graphics make for terrible tattoos. Like sometimes. People come in and they want logos and they're very graphic designy and they're very, like, perfectly symmetrical. So, like, let's say, like, the Element logo would probably be a nightmare to tattoo because it would be, (laughs) you know, perfectly straight parallel lines and a perfect circle or something. So, I guess any sort of, like, any sort of graphic that might be created in that way, like, a very graphic design approach might be kind of tough. I don't know. And then there's some of that old Dogtown stuff that's really crazy and busy. That would be tough to tattoo as well. But, uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think any sort of, like I said, graphic design-looking logo I'd probably pass on,
0: you know. Okay. All right, this, this next one is from uh, Eric, Eric Dressen. Great. First guest from the book. So he said, how did it feel to finally get your new book in your hands after all the hard work you put into it? Oh, man, another big question.
1: It was overwhelming you know like it was very like it was such an ambiguous thing most of the time you know because it was so just this idea until we had like a physical book it wasn't it still felt like it was like in our brains sort of we had, of course like pdfs and things mocked up but to hold the book and to open it and flip it and feel the pages was, oh, yeah. was huge and i man i'll never forget eric showed up at the party in L.A., and he walked in, and I obviously went up to him and said hey and gave him a hug and thanked him. And, you know, he was so, like, what he had to say about holding the book and flipping through it was meant so much to me. It was huge. I mean, the fact that I got to do a book with Eric Dressen is, like, yeah, I mean, who am I? You know what I mean? Like, it's so overwhelming <laughs> still to think. But uh, his feedback was huge, and he was really sort of, I think, impressed. And that's really what I wanted out of it was for people to not not like they were expecting some flimsy, terrible book or anything, but to be able to over-deliver in that way, you know, was was huge. And so yeah. um, I think that there's no way I wouldn't do a second one because I'm just going to chase that high again. You know, it was pretty pretty fun yeah. to get to, <laughs> to live it and feel it and see people, you know, experience it. And I'm getting messages now as we speak. People are starting to receive their books in the mail. And I just got a message from someone the other day that they had decided that they were you know, gonna go get tattooed and they hadn't been tattooed in years and they were an old skateboarder. And the fact that, that that's even happening, you know, based on something I
0: did was huge. And yeah, it was such a, such a fun thing to read, you know? Yeah, that's really awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, this next one. Uh, so you probably don't know this guy. He's, his name is uh, Yuri Korotun. He's uh, a Ukrainian skater. Awesome. I just did an interview with him a few weeks ago. I'm going to release it a little bit before yours. But uh, he's a really talented skater from uh, near um, uh, Kyiv. And uh, he relocated to Germany and he's giving like skate classes to young refugees from Ukraine over there. So anyways, he's a very big tattoo fan himself. I don't know if he actually tattoos other people, but he's got a bunch of tattoos and he obviously loves them. And so I I just asked him if he wanted to share a question with you. And so basically his question is, um, he said, how strongly does the tattoo environment meaning people in the industry, affect your life, who are more true friends, people from the skateboarding scene or people from the tattoo scene?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I, uh, I think for me personally, like, you know, I, I love skateboarding, but at the end of the day, tattooing is what I do for a job, you know, so I think that more of my social circles revolve around tattooing at this point in my life, but I think that I have a really healthy balance because I Thankfully, I tattoo so many skateboarders. You know, that's such a huge part of my clientele, which is awesome. I mean, I love tattooing to begin with, but if I can give someone a tattoo and talk about, you know, a a recent video part that came out or, you know, something like that. That's like, at the end of the day, there's nothing more I could ask for to be able to talk about skateboarding and, and to be giving a tattoo. But, yeah, I would say because I tattoo For a living, I I probably, my social circle probably revolves around tattooing a bit more than skating at this point in my life. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I just spend more time in a tattoo shop than a skate shop,
0: so. Okay, let's see. This one is from, so this guy, he's an interesting guy from France. His name is Edouard Depaz. He's a tattoo artist and a skater. He skates for a European brand called Rave Skateboards. I think he's a bit younger than us, probably like in his late 20s or something. I'm actually going to get a tattoo with him very soon. Amazing. I like his, uh, his style of tattooing. I've never done tattoos with him, but... Uh, and so I told him about uh, interviewing you and he didn't know about the book and he said it was a rad project, so he wanted to share a question. Amazing. So he said, how much does skateboarding inspire you in tattooing? And then the following question is, why do you think that the bridge between skateboarding and tattooing is that strong? Other subcultures don't seem to be this tied up together.
1: All right. Oh, man, (laughs) these
0: are good questions.
1: Um, I think that, I guess, you know, the the first thing that comes to mind is, like, you don't go skating and try a trick once and then quit right like you have to battle for that and you have to learn that and you have to perfect it and let's say you know i I don't know we'll just use a kickflip as an example like you learned a kickflip when you're a kid and you land a couple of kickflips and it's like the highlight of your life you you know whether uh but that doesn't mean you're landing kickflips every time so i think you become obsessed with perfecting that thing and uh you know being able to snap your fingers and do a kickflip that's when you can kickflip, right? It's not mm-hmm. that you've landed kickflips, but that you can do them on command or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. And you need consistently to be able to to perfect your skateboarding, and that is like a fundamental building block. You know, I don't think anyone learns how to frontside flip until they can kickflip. Yeah, you know, people don't learn how to switch flip until they can. I am sure you know, hey, yeah. there could be some people out there, but <laughs> I, I think that sort of uh, mindset really. Uh, is applicable in tattooing, you know? Like just because I've done one nice tattoo doesn't mean that I'm the best tattooer ever, you know? I mean, people do nice tattoos on a fluke all the time, you know? There are people, you know, that have the perfect setting and the perfect setup and everything goes smoothly and the tattoo comes out looking great, but you're only as good as the last tattoo that you've done, right? So like mm-hmm. you've got to be able to perform at that level constantly. And so I think, you know, becoming obsessed with perfecting things through skateboarding has sort of rolled over into tattooing and that in that same way so yeah yeah yeah. um, you'll have to remind me of the second part of the question it was about the bridge between skating and yeah like like
0: why do you think that this bridge is so strong because other subcultures uh, don't seem that tied up together uh
1: yeah you know i think just I mean, just the casual worlds that we live in in the sense we've talked about even throughout this interview, like the familiarities between a skate shop and a tattoo shop alone, you know, that feeling that I got when I went into a tattoo shop felt like I could have been in a skate shop. There was just tattoo designs on the wall instead of skateboards, you know, and I think that for whatever reason, you know, it's so similar in that way. I think when you, when skateboarders meet other skateboarders or when tattooers meet other tattooers or something, we sort of like shed having to get to know one another we could just become friends right we don't necessarily have to know everything about one another we just know that we both love skateboarding and
0: yeah you know how many
1: times how, how many times have you been skating a spot or at a park and there's one other person there and by the you know it's kind of like in the beginning you're just like watching each other but by the end of it and by the time you leave you're like what's your name you know yeah, yeah. become friends it's like you don't need to know anything about these people to know that you'll probably get on together pretty well you know? right so yeah, I think, yeah it's that unspoken weird bond between tattooing and skateboarding that I think is, you don't find that many other places, you know, so.
0: Yeah, the very strong communities for sure. Okay, let's see. This one is an audio one, and I don't think he says his name, so I'll just have you listen to it. I'll tell you who it is afterwards. Okay. So, um, question. So I don't really have anything like clever or witty or anything, but uh, the first thing that came to mind is like, when was that moment? Like, I remember when I was a kid and I was like four years old where I, my first memory of skateboarding and I saw it on TV and it just, it clicked and I and I don't know, I just was thought it was the coolest thing. And then eventually I got into it and loved it. When did you go, yeah, tattooing is the f- coolest fucking thing ever. And I want to do that because it's kind of a random thing. It's not like, oh, I want to pick up a pencil and draw or something. It's like. Yeah, I want to mark someone and cause someone pain for the rest. You know. So when, what was it that made your brain click to get into tattooing?
1: Yeah, that's another great question. Who was that one from?
0: That's uh, Jason Adams. Oh, great! Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, former pro. Uh, I don't if he's still pro. I'm not sure if he's still pro. Uh, but he skated for Enjoy yeah, Black I'm not Label. Really sure, but I think I think he's. Oh yeah, I mean he might he might still be on Black Label. I'm not too sure.
1: Well, that's huge. That's amazing that he submitted a question. That's really uh, incredible. Well, I got to make the answer good then, right? Um, all right. So I have told this story before, but when I was a kid, my older cousin, her name was An- is Andrea, and she moved away from Indiana and moved to Seattle and met a boy that was in a band. He was in a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. And uh, that band is still a band. They're called MXPX. They've been around for years. And she met... The singer, Mike, through just living in Seattle. And I remember one year she brought him home for the holidays, I think. It must have been Christmas or Thanksgiving or something, or maybe just to visit. But I remember being in the backseat of my parents' car, and we were on our way to go see her... And they just kept warning me and telling me telling me that this guy looked a little bit different, and to, he's but he's nice, and don't worry, you know, and it's sort of building <laughs> him up to be this, like, larger-than-life person. Yeah. And I remember I walked in the house, and he was sitting there playing an acoustic guitar, and he just sits covered in tattoos. Okay. And I immediately was like, oh, my gosh, this is the coolest thing ever. This guy's... Covered in tattoos, musician, whatever. I just remember thinking, this guy's got to be the coolest dude ever. And so I think that was the moment when I was like, I want tattoos. Okay. And uh, I was pretty young. You know, I was probably 10 or or younger. But I don't think I really seriously considered feeling like I could do tattoos and stuff until I started working in a shop. You know, I think if anything, when I started getting tattooed, when I was older, it made me feel like it was less attainable because I don't know if you've watched people tattoo you, but it seems like it's probably pretty tough to do, you know? So my confidence level was pretty low. Yeah. Um, and I think even, I think even when I started learning, started my apprenticeship, I was still pretty like certain that I wasn't going to be able to pull it off at some point, you know, or maybe I wasn't going to be good, but, uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, I think when I, when I met him, when I was young, I remember that moment and being like, "That dude is cool. I don't have as <laughs> many tattoos as that guy," and you know, so that was probably my first moment of thinking maybe I wanted to be interested in that later down the road, you know.
0: Hmm. Uh, okay, I have just a few last ones. This one is from Ryan Townley. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you two know each other. I don't. Know, maybe you tattooed him. We do.
1: I haven't tattooed him, but we just met in L.A. Um, and hung out a couple of times. I met him uh, with the welcome team or most of the team at the tattoo shop and they came in and we met and then we ended up visiting a little bit uh at the marriage release party so
0: cool so he said if you could only have one tattoo on you that you currently already have which one would you choose and why
1: oh boy
0: (laughs) (laughs) well it's a tough one (laughs) unfortunately i think
1: people have this misconception that tattooers are like covered in the best tattoos ever and like you know, oh yeah they always think that like we are very picky about who we go to but i have a lot of really bad tattoos and i think in the <laughs> beginning you're just more interested in like quantity over quality you just want to cover yeah. yourself as fast as you can so i mean i guess it would just be fun to to keep that initial trail tap skateboard to be honest you know i think that that like that tattoo started everything for me and yeah, sort yeah. of solidified how much I loved skateboarding at that point and still continue to love skateboarding. And, and it's been my most talked about tattoo through all of these <laughs> and stuff that I've done. So I guess I would keep the Krell tap board. Now it's right on my forearm. So, you know, everyone could see it and I think it means a lot to me and you know, whatever. So that would be the board of the tattoo. I would keep the Krell tap board. <laughs>
0: cool. Yeah. Very good answer. Okay. Two last ones. Let's do this. This one is an audio one again. Okay. Hey, Ben, this is Ross. I got a couple questions for you, man. I hear you talking about Indiana, Indianapolis. I've never heard of it, man. Is that in Canada? That's my first question. Second question is, tell me the story of the craziest cover-up anyone ever asked you to do in Indianapolis. All right. <laughs> Did you hear it okay? Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Ross is
1: a dear friend of mine, and we work... Right next to each other at Idle Hands. And he is uh, an incredible tattooer and a dear friend. And he loves to give me shit about being from Indiana. (laughs) And any time he ever hears me talk about being from Indianapolis, he pipes up, Indiana? Where is that? (laughs) And that's sort of become a running joke. So uh, it's not in Canada, Ross. It's uh, in the middle of nowhere. But And I know what he wants to hear. And I know the second question. So, uh, okay. I had a pretty crazy experience with a cover-up tattoo in Indianapolis, and I've told this story a couple of times, and he, uh, I know what he's getting at. So uh, I had a guy come into the tattoo shop. This was, I mean, this was maybe 10 years ago or something. I was a younger tattooer, but he comes in, and he sort of seems like lost or out of place, and I, I go up to him, and I ask him, you know, what can I help you with? And he said, well, you know, I have a, uh, I have a tattoo, and I want to see if I can have it covered. Mm-hmm. And I say, okay, yeah. I mean, I'll have to see it, obviously, to know if I can cover it. What do you have? And he said, well, it's in kind of an embarrassing place. It's on my hip. And I just, you know, is there a more private area that we can go to? You know, and I I just don't want to unbutton my pants in the lobby. And yeah, yeah, like, uh, All right, sure, yeah. And we had this, like, room <laughs> in the back of the shop where it was, like, I think piercing was done out of there for a while and, you know, whatever. But so I take him in the back and I, like, Just as I turn around and shut the door behind me, I turn back around and he has uh, his member, if you will, in his hand, and he's like shaking it at me, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" Like, you know, of course, I don't know how to
0: react. I'm just like, "Yeah." Like, and uh, then
1: I see visual, like I'm like, "Okay, there's no tattoo at all anywhere. This dude is just like some weird public flashing guy." Okay. And so I ended up having to be like, "Dude." What are you doing? Get out of the shop, man. I yeah. threw him out. And, uh, you know, of course, I told everybody else in the shop what had happened. I was like, that was crazy. You know, whatever. Don't let this dude come back. And then I started getting phone calls, like, either later in that, it may have even been later than that day, but it was at least throughout the week from other shops in the city that had said... He had been coming in there and doing the same thing. And they okay. wanted to warn us in case he came in. I said, he already came in here. And uh, so I think he was just some weird, like, pervy flasher guy or
0: something. Okay, but, okay. So uh, I never <laughs> did the
1: cover up, but that was not really a tattoo to cover. So, you know, that was pretty wild.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. a pretty crazy story. Yeah, it was weird. I hope this guy stopped uh, flashing all over tattoo shops uh, in Indiana. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so too, man. Okay. The last question is from the last guest from your book, Chad Koplinger. Uh, He said, when do you feel most alive? Wow. (laughs) Chad would have a cool question like that. When do I feel most
1: alive? Well, to stay on brand and to be honest, it has to come when those worlds are truly colliding, skateboarding and tattooing. I remember tattooing recently and... I was tattooing another skateboarder, and I have this playlist of like early 2000s, like late 90s, early 2000s skate songs. Right, right. And the entire tattoo, front to back, it would be every couple of minutes there would be a new song on, and we would just be talking about that person, oh, you know, that Mark Appleyard part or Mm -hmm. whatever the song was, you know, and we just spent, you know, a couple hours just like reminiscing about old skate videos and having such a blast. And, you know, like I said earlier, I mean, when those were worlds collide for me in that way, it means everything to me. And and, and I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, being able to tattoo every day and like make a living doing this is still like not lost on me how lucky I am. You know, I just this year alone, I've been to Spain and Greece and, you know, all over the place just for this one thing that I'm able to do. And that's, you know, so when those moments happen, when I'm leaving the tattoo shop in Barcelona, Oh yeah. You know, after working and then going to Macbuds to skate or something mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. those moments, I mean, I can't compare them to anything else. I mean, that would be that would be when I feel most alive. Chad talks about in the book after he got his first tattoo, he left the tattoo shop and went skating and had the best session of his life. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Those yeah. Land, landing tricks left and right and mm-hmm. you know, when those two worlds collide in that way, I mean, it's really special. Special. And yeah. Yeah. So that would be my answer.
0: Yeah, that's a great answer. Cool. Yeah, great way to wrap it up. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ben. Really yeah, appreciate it. Thank you so it. much. This
1: was a blast. Yeah, I really love what you're doing, and I, I look forward to any time you drop a new episode, so uh, yeah, I'm really thankful to be here, man. Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, yeah no, my pleasure, and uh, yeah, good luck with um, the next editions or the next volumes. I, I look forward to uh, many, many um, more uh, volumes of uh, Let It Kill You because it's uh, such a cool project, so yeah, keep it going. Thank you so much. I'll
1: definitely keep, keep you in the loop, man. I appreciate
0: it. That's it for my conversation with Ben McQueen. If you'd like to purchase the first volume of Let It Kill You, go visit resolute-press.com. Follow Ben on Instagram at Ben McQueen tattoo to check out some of his work. If you're in the San Francisco area, you can even book a tattoo with him. Follow also at Let It Kill You Book to keep an eye on the future volumes of this amazing book project. Thank you for tuning in. See you soon for a new episode of Beyond Boys.